0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute.
1: There are many philosophies about leadership. Some hold that the leader needs to keep himself or herself at a distance from the people that he leads. The leader needs to always stay aloof and one step above. Others hold that leadership needs to be an exercise from within a community, almost like a shared charge that's passed around. What's the truth? How do we reconcile the need to lead, move forward, and at the same time belong to the people whom we serve? Gosh, it's great to be back with everybody again. We're we're trying to look closely at St. Peter as the model for leadership and the very idea of doing this really excites me. I got to tell you, because we, sometimes we don't think that God speaks to practicalities in our life, right? The Bible doesn't spell out, you know, the five steps for great leadership by God, you know, (laughs) he almost wish he did, right? If God would only write a leadership book, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be wonderful, you know? And, And then we'd all like masterly do it. Well, he did write a leadership book. I mean, in a sense, the truth that we need to succeed as Christian leaders in our world is found in the Bible. And when I say leader, remember, I don't just mean executives. I don't just mean, you know, I mean mothers. I mean YMCA leaders. I mean volunteers. I mean people who create a zone of influence in order to Make the world better thereby, right? So, anyone who create who tries to exert an influence on the people around them is de facto a leader. And so, regardless of whether the society grants you some sort of special title or not, you are a leader now. The, and therefore, you say, "Well, how do I do that? How do I do that right?" There's so many questions, so many things that hit between setting boundaries and 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 speaking well and, and dealing with stress and keeping my vision well god spoke to us authoritatively in the bible and the catholic church teaches us that there is no error in scripture and that all the truths necessary for salvation are found in sacred scripture and that means that all the truths necessary for effective Christian leadership are also found in secret scripture. You just have to know where to look, right? I think it's because God is is not boring. We are sometimes very boring. We're like, we need leadership to be called leadership or else we won't understand what we're talking about. So just instead, like read, read between the lines here in scripture. There's so much, there's an infinity of truth in the Bible. We have to just have the creativity and the intelligence, frankly, to understand and to dig deeply into what God's teaching us. And so when you look at the Acts of the Apostles, you see leadership being taught to us, where? By Simon Peter himself. (laughs) Poor Simon Peter. Most of the time you just hear people talk about Peter saying, oh, Peter, he's just this, you know, kind of guy. He's always bungling. He's so nice. He's so fun. He's just like me. He's well-intentioned. He keeps putting his foot in his mouth, you know, but. And that's only when you read the Gospels, you can get that impression. Ask yourself this question, though why did Jesus spend so much time with him? Why was Jesus so hard on Peter? Why was Jesus constantly correcting and molding him? It was because Peter would have a job to do, and Jesus wanted him to be ready to fulfill that mission. And that job was to feed the sheep of Christ and to shepherd them rightly. And we see this in the Acts of the Apostles where Simon Peter after Pentecost assumes that role and it's full. He immediately elects Matthias, speaks to the crowd, makes converts, gets arrested, finds himself in front of Caiaphas, the very man who just three months earlier he had run from and he tries to save his soul. (laughs) And you you can literally say he tried to save his soul because he speaks about salvation. I mean, He's speaking to the highest religious authority in the kingdom of Israel about the coming of the Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah from the dead, and the fact that these men needed to open their hearts to believe in him. They were astounded, it said, at the boldness of his proclamation. And they let him go. Now, what amazes me, though, about Peter's leadership, we're going to look throughout Acts here together at different talks that we're giving um, we're going to be looking at all the different elements of Peter's leadership, but there's one that really blows my mind, and, and I want to speak to it specifically because it's something that Pope Francis writes about. He writes about this in Evangelii Gaudium, which is on the joy of evangelizing. It's paragraph 269. He talks about the, the importance of the leader of, uh, of, of any kind of enterprise— belonging to and loving the people whom he leads. I'm just going to read to you from paragraph 269. It says, Jesus himself is the model of this method of evangelization, which brings us to the very heart of his people. And he goes on to say, moved by his example, we want to enter fully into the fabric of society, sharing the lives of all, listening to their concerns, helping them materially and spiritually in their needs, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep, arm in arm with others. We are committed to building a new world. But we do so not from a sense of obligation, not as a burdensome duty, but to the, as the result of a personal decision which brings us joy and gives meaning to our lives. All right? if you take a look at 273, he says, my mission of being in the heart of the people, the same expression, it's not just a part of my life or a badge I can take off. It is not an extra or just another moment of life. Instead, it is something I cannot uproot from my being without destroying my very self. 70, 274. If we are to share our lives with others and generously give of ourselves, we have to realize that every person is worthy of our giving. It goes on. It's basically understanding what he calls it. He says, this is the spiritual savor of being a people. Now, Pope Francis, what, what is he getting at with this? What what is this? What is this key message? His message is that he wants his leaders to smell like his, the sheep that they lead, to have the smell of the sheep, to be with them, to to share their burdens. And we know that there's a on the other there's a counterpoint to it, right? You can think about how in the military, you know, they they want the distinction between the officers and the enlisted. Because the officer's job is to lead and they have to p- perform that job well. And yet at the same time, like, if, is that what we're supposed to do as Christians? And what about compassion? And how do I balance the need to be separated from the people to the fact that I actually need the same people that I'm leading? I mean, I, I need their support and their love. I mean, otherwise, why am I leading? All right? It's more like if I don't belong to the company that of which I'm the leader, then can I really effectively lead it? Can you lead a group from the outside? Well, the answer is no. You, you can only lead a group from the inside. You can only lead a group well from the inside. Well, if I'm supposed to lead a group from the inside, how do I do that and at the same time not forsake, well, the strength and the distinction that preserves my authority? It's not an easy thing to do but simon peter demonstrates it to us in a masterful way and there's insight in scripture that's abundant in the acts of the apostles about this fine line i want to look at that with you because for those of us who are called to lead we mustn't forget that we are called to lead those to whom we belong and when we remember that we lead them in the best of
0: ways Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to EagleEyeMinistries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E-Ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today.
1: All right, so when we look together here at how to lead in the footsteps of Simon Peter, one thing that we notice about St. Peter's leadership in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, uh, but throughout Acts especially, is that Simon Peter walks this kind of crest line between belonging to the church and leading the church as the church's first pope. So as the first pope, he's alone. It's, it's, he has to make the decisions. He has to bear the burdens. He has, to, he has to bear the yoke of leadership. There's only one first pope, one first leader, and it's Peter. This isn't easy. It's not easy for any of us, but he doesn't. But on the same token, we actually see Simon Peter belonging, loving, being committed to, almost as if he needed the people that he was leading, he is he, not almost as if he does need them. He does. He chooses to. Let's take a look at where this happens. In Acts chapter 4, you've got Simon Peter who gets released from prison. And what's the first thing he does? He spends the night in jail. He risks his life. He speaks this incredible proclamation of the resurrection to the very people who denied the resurrection. If you recall, when the soldiers found that, that were guarding the tomb of Jesus went back to the high priest to tell them, that the resurrection had happened, the high priest said, spread this lie. Say that some of his disciples came at night and stole the body. And they did it. Those guys totally sold out and totally told a lie because it wasn't true. But they told a lie to get themselves off the hook because they could have been put to death for what they did. So they told the lie, right? So that same guy who actually has has just been proclaimed to Simon Peter that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's so astounded by the boldness of his proclamation that he lets him go. And what happens 4:23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness what a what a touching scene huh Peter gets released from his night in prison he he gets told by the the leaders to not do this anymore and what does he do he goes to his friends now, he's not, he's not the first one to do this, right? Jesus Christ also had friends. Martha, Mary, Lazarus, whom he loved. It says that many times. And he goes to his friend's house right before he goes into his passion to have a dinner. It's, it's touching to think about this. You know, Jesus looking at Peter, James, and John and asking them, could you not watch one hour with me? There's our Lord himself asking for support from the people whom he was sent to save taking consolation for example when veronica wipes his face during the stations of the cross allowing the woman to anoint his head and his feet to weep over him with her tears and wipe his feet with her hair i mean There's so many examples in the life of Christ. Uh, Think about the women that he had following him who supplied for him and his apostles out of their wealth. Our Lord choosing to belong to the people that he was saving. And we see the same thing happening here with Peter. He comes out of prison and instead of saying, okay, let's go to the office now and type up a memo, (laughs) Simon Peter instead goes to his friends and shares with them. And what happens? But his friends turn and pray with him almost like they're looking for guidance together and and you can see this you know uh, and then what do they do they pray together the holy spirit comes he looks for solace and companionship and strength there's like a humility in this type of leadership because peter knows his authority comes to him from god he doesn't need that authority from 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 the people but that his reality Is something that he shares. And what a precious gift that is in a leader to say, though I I am your leader for you, I am your co worker with you. And I share this culture which you have entrusted to me to guard and to guide. That humility coupled with magnanimity of leadership allows for the leadership to be winsome and true. So I want you to think about this. I, I mean, just an easy way to do this would be to, to do a 360, right? That's a, a way of saying to ask the people who are closest collaborators with you, whether they feel like you're a member of the team or whether they feel like you are in a world by yourself. It's, it's not easy to, to accept always what they say, but I mean, wouldn't it be great to know And and knowing it, you could say, well, what's the advantage? Why should I belong to the people that I serve? And I think that that advantage is twofold. First of all, the advantage is for the actual team itself. You will be more effective in your management of your people if you yourself belong to the culture you're trying to form. It, It might seem counterintuitive, but if you put yourself in the position of your employees doesn't it make sense it's almost like a way of validating their existence and of and validating their dignity i mean it's like saying that you too need the the benefits of the goal that you're striving to attain on their behalf and Simon Peter shows us this. He gets out of the prison. He's the, and what is the first thing he does? He goes and he prays. He's like, guys, I need the Christian community that I am defending. I'm leading the Christian community forward here, but I need that community. And look how God responds, 31. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Peter now finds himself with companions. And this isn't the only spot that he does it. We're going to see he does it again when he's released from prison. Remember the angel miraculously sets him free. What does he do? He goes back to the Christian people and he shares that good news with them. We see them. He does it again after he converts Cornelius and Cornelius is filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole household is. And what does Simon Peter do? He goes back and he explains to the people what he did. Even when people disagreed with Peter, he always gave them the dignity of explanation. He wasn't apart from the church. He was a member of the church. And therefore, the leadership that he exhibited benefited the church. So the first advantage and reason we should do this is that the people whom we are called to lead will respond to us better. The respect that we show them by our vulnerability actually makes us all together more dedicated to our common success.
0: Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ.
1: So the question in front of us really is the same, right? So like, what does God want me to do as a leader with respect to my community, do I have to be kind of like a, 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 an iron soul capable of taking all hits, even from the members of the community on the inside, or do I have to be so vulnerable that I rise and I fall with them? Well, it's obviously a question of doing both. I mean, on the one hand, you can become a better leader, but on the other hand, not only do you lead better when you are uh, with the people that you lead and that you form community with them. But on the other hand, there's a, a proclamation of Christ and a sharing of grace that's unique to the Christian experience that can only take place when the leader shares the benefits of Christ with those whom he leads, that is, that he's one with them. So that's a specific role for the Christian leader to form a workplace where they they share things together together in the heart. Now, and that's not always possible in the for profit world, but it is possible in the nonprofit world and especially is important in the church world. So it depends on your type of leadership. But getting down to the more essential question, I want to ask you why where you sit on this question with respect to the view that you have of your community. Do you need the company that you are leading? You know, they, they say that. When Coronado reached the new world, he burned his ships. Now it's obvious that this was in order to motivate his men to make it to the end of their mission. But on the other hand, it's also a fact that that meant that he too was all in. Simon Peter demonstrates this. Simon Peter needs to be all in. And so when it comes to hard times, he himself turns for consolation towards his team. Now, we can't always do that. We, you know, our team might not give us a lot of consolation, actually. But at the same time, the principle is that the leader is humble enough to share in the joys and the labors and the trials and the benefits of the experience that he's leading or she's leading. And that community that is formed by the leader helps the members who are part of the community to have the same confidence in what they themselves are doing. And I think that we see this is typified by Simon Peter. If you look at another example of this, you look at Acts chapter 15, the church is facing one of her biggest questions, right? The, should we allow the converts to Christianity from Gentile origins to not follow the mosaic law so the jewish folks who were converted to christianity still followed the law of moses as they at the same time were filled with the holy spirit what about the gentiles that they weren't jews they were doing things from other religious practices and suddenly they follow the christ do they have to live as the jews live and it's it's fascinating that peter listens to the whole debate before making his decision. He listens to great debate and it must have been something to watch because Paul and Barnabas were taking on, you know, the, the resistance movement. That doesn't give any names from within their own Christian community saying that on the contrary, Christians should have to follow the mosaic practice. And Paul and Barnabas were saying, no, they don't have to. And you had this conflict going on and Peter's watching. He's listening. It's almost like he, instead of just saying, well, I mean, Peter already converted Cornelius. He didn't demand that he follow the Mosaic law. We've already been through this point. Paul's out there doing this. This is already established. Things, God seems to be... He listens to the debate. There's a, uh, he keeps his ears to the railroad tracks of what's happening because he's part of this community. And, and that comes from a decision that we make as leaders to really allow charity to be operative in our decisions. When you think of someone who really has made a difference in your life, a leader who's really impacted what you do and who you are, usually you'll find that his impact or her impact didn't come just from their ideas or their intelligence. It came from their heart. That the fact is that you felt like they loved you and that they loved what you were doing. And that their heart was in it as well. Remember that Gallup, when it's talking about the four major qualities of a leader, lists the fact that the leader empowers the people underneath her or underneath him. That they feel as if the leader trusts them. That's, that's an empathy, that's an energy, that's a charity, that's a love that goes beyond the simple tasks of command and execution. And that love is, it's what makes Christians, it should make Christians incredible leaders. I mean, a Christian ought to be different from a non-Christian in terms of leadership and that the Christian leader ought to be someone who forms a community bigger than the execution of tasks or a community that's made for something more than execution of tasks. We ought to be forming a community that supports one another as people. This is an essential element of the Catholic Church's teaching on the workplace in her social teaching. She says that the role of the leader when it comes to the the workers is to care for them as people, the dignity of the person needs to be primary. Well, how do you care for someone as a person if all you're doing is trying to organize their workflow? Well, Simon Peter didn't do that. Simon Peter was one with them. He had to make decisions all the time. He had to say, do this, don't do that. He had to organize lots of workflow in his life. But he also prayed with them. He shared with them. He was vulnerable with them. When He, he didn't hesitate to need them. When, in fact, he got released from prison, or, in fact, something major happened in his life, or, in fact, when they had to make this big decision about the Gentile converts, Peter was listening, Peter was sharing, Peter was a part of the community that he served. And what are the benefits? It's the same for you and I. How blessed are we to also be cared for by the people whom we serve? How blessed are we to know their love, to receive from them, Do any of us really think that we can make it through this life alone? If we do, we're not Christian. The fact is, God puts people in our lives, oftentimes the people that are under our leadership, in order to minister to us and to keep us on that road. We aren't the keeper of all things in the community. The community is bigger than us. And we are its humble servant. As we bravely, boldly, constantly, consistently lead and take care of it but the same way we got to be willing to let it take care of us and to not only be willing but to expect it glory to god because we are not just the leaders in the eyes of the world we are leaders in the shape of christ members of the community that he has entrusted to us
0: there are great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at Saint John That's info at Saint John And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeye That's Eagle